to this bonus midweek edition of the JersNet podcast, totally free and independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is always absolutely free. And that free content is not just the podcast that we have here at JersNet, but if you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you'll find a whole host of, uh, of great content there as well, including articles, social media, uh, a friendly discussion forum, and an excellent history archive as well. If you're joining us live tonight, it's just gone nine o'clock on Wednesday, the 18th of April, uh, April August. And we are here to look ahead to uh, the Rangers Europa League playoff qualifier first leg tomorrow night against Alish Kert. Um, so we'll be taking a wee look at, at what we can expect tomorrow. So if you are joining us live, and thank you for giving up your evening. Uh, if you're joining us, you can also get involved in the YouTube comments. We've got Frankie having a look at all the uh, questions and comments that you have there. So please do fire those in. And if you're not with us live, well, the podcast is always available for download the day after the show goes out live. So that will be from tomorrow morning. And that's on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and also on Spotify. Uh, as I say, we're going to be looking ahead to tomorrow night's game against Alish Kerr in the Europa League. Uh, sadly, it's not a Champions League game that we're previewing, but uh, we're going to have to try and move on from Alex's horrendous predictions that he made last week. Um, but before we get started on tonight's show, uh, just to say that the show tonight is presented in partnership with footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, the guys over there are running a prize at the moment where the winner will get their choice of either a Saul Campbell, Willie Bolly, or a Nathan Patterson shined shirt. Uh, and which one goes I want? Tickets are £4.95, only £19.90 being sold. There's around about 60, 65 tickets left at the moment, and the prize draw will happen tomorrow. That's Thursday the 19th at 8.30pm. Head over to their website at footballprizes.co.uk or check out the JSNet Twitter page for more details. So to bring in my guest, the, uh, the font of all European football knowledge, um, I'm sure he's going to have some wonderful facts about Armenian football for us, Alec Anderson. Alec, good evening, how are you? Um, I'm absolutely fine, uh, Ross, for a man who's uh, publicly shamed himself. Um, the, the last time I was on this pod, I'd like to thank yourself and Frankie for giving me the opportunity to come back on and uh, apologise to everybody um, as a... As a man on the Rangers jinx register, uh, I really shouldn't have been um, getting carried away the way I did uh, last night. I'm just going to try and claim that I got the uh, Malmo and Dunfermline games mixed up. I think I said I was I was quite worried about the Dunfermline game. That could be a lot closer than we realise and that we would be romping the Malmo game. I think I actually said 4 nothing at half time. So if I could just say, I just got them a bit mixed up. Exactly. Uh, that's, that, 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 that's all that happened. And please, please let me back on the show. No, and for anyone who's not heard that podcast, I mean, firstly, it's probably the only time that I'm going to recommend you don't go back and listen to a previous show. But when Alex says that he disgraced himself and embarrassed himself on a previous show, that was simply by predicting that Rangers would destroy Malmo quite comfortably rather than, say, took his pants off on air. Um, that, that was the show before. That was the show before, and uh, we were only too happy to have you back on. Right, Alec, we are here to discuss Armenian football. Um I must admit, I I like my European trips, and one of the hardest things for me about about COVID is you know not being able to go and, and watch Rangers away in Europe. Um, one of my favourite trips is, was was Moscow in the last couple of years. We went to Spartak. The result wasn't good, but the day and the, the city and everything was was fantastic. So for us to go to Armenia and have no fans allowed to travel, I know that some fans are going, but obviously officially no allocation will be given and and uh, no tickets being sold to Rangers fans. It's heartbreaking for me because Armenia, it would have been a, a phenomenal trip, a really interesting trip. Um, but Armenian football is a little bit foreign, well, naturally quite foreign to me. Um, I, I don't know a great deal about it. I'm sure you're a man who's done his research and, and knows what we can expect. So Alish Kert from, from the capital of Yerevan, what can we expect from them tomorrow night? They, they play in yellow. <laughs> Next question. Right, so if... if the ding, ball, ding ball on Sunday, let's move on. 
So Ferland are like Malmo. Does that mean that you know Alistair playing yellow, therefore Livingston? I think so. I think so. No, I mean, for I'm the same as yourself, Ross. Um, Armenia to me, it's uh, the Kardashians. It's a system of a down. Um, it's in terms of football, it's Henrik Mkhitaryan, you know, um, who scored in the the Europa League final. So there's a little link there. He's he scored in the Europa League final for Man United in uh, 2017. You can get that. I'm already trying to pad things out um, because my knowledge of Armenian football is disgracefully small but I think that speaks to just uh, what kind of impact Armenian football's had on the world game I do know uh, I had I grew up knowing about Ararat Yerevan um, who are the, the, maybe the most famous name the most famous club name in uh, Armenian football they won but that was during the Soviet era when they were part of the Soviet Union uh, Armenia is one of those former Soviet states um, amazing country fantastic history um, Christianity first first country in the world to be officially Christian back in the right at the beginning of the fourth century. Um they are on the border with Iran, Syria, Turkey. Um you've got Kazakhstan across the way. That's their big uh, kind of derbies with, with, with Kaira Almaty. Um but you don't really know that many of their players. You don't really know uh, that much that that much about their clubs because they, they haven't really scaled uh, the heights in any way. Um, I, th- I think I go back looking at um, Ararat Yerevan. And they they won the they won the double in the seventies, um, the Soviet double, which was which was something else. Um, but after that, really, you're struggling. Armenia, the national team. To a one quick way of looking at a quick reference uh, for 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 the state of the game over there. The national team is actually confusingly the top of their group just now in the World Cup qualifiers. A group that contains Germany, um, Romania, and Iceland. Um, it's largely down to North Macedonia beating Germany uh, in Duisburg in this qualifying campaign, but they're, they're steadily on the rise. The national team, um, they've been they're, they're in, in the Europa in the Nations League. Uh, they've always been a division below Scotland, but they've been promoted twice now. And they're the same league as Scotland, along they won't be in the same group. Um, I've got a, a strange thing that I do. You know, I like I like a bit of train spotting when it comes to the football. One of the few reasons to go and watch Scotland at Hamden over the last 20 odd years was to, for me, was clocking up all the UEFA nations. I just, I basically realised I'd seen quite a few of the 55 UEFA, UEFA member nations. Um, I've seen quite a few clubs from the UEFA member nations uh, playing against Rangers at Ibrooks. So I think they, we've got Moldova at Hamden next month. I've got a ticket for that. I'm going to see Kairat tomorrow. That's my first ever Armenian team. So after that, I've only got uh, any kind of national team or club from Andorra or Kosovo, and that's me done all 55. So I'm a winner tomorrow night either way, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this this team, they're, they, they're, it doesn't really help. They don't have much of a history themselves, this 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 club. Really strange history. You know, kind of formed 1990, then almost instantly dissolved in a town miles from... Uh, miles, miles from Yerevan, the capital where they are now, and also named after another town that took refugees in during the the, the infamous. Uh, I think it's always going to be associated with Armenia, the, the Armenian genocide with the Ottoman Turks uh, killed a lot of people, uh, killed millions um, back at the beginning of the last century. But this club, they, they, I think they formed in 1990. Then they, I think they stopped playing after about a year. They dissolved themselves. They started again about eight years later. Dissolved themselves again. 
And I, I think I think basically they've been formed in 1990, but they've only played, they'd only played like maybe four or five years of football before reforming it again and moving to Yerevan, the capital, in 2013. I think they're the plaything of a local businessman. Um and they don't have they don't have great crowds. No Armenian club side really does. Um and they've uh, they basically won suddenly they've won uh, four leagues in the last five years. They were the reigning champions of Armenia. That's why they've ended up in the, the Champions League. They've dropped down um into the, the, the Europa League and they're, they're gonna be, you know, irrespective of what happens tomorrow night, you know, they're gonna be the first ever Armenian side to play group football, group stage football. In, in, in Europe so they're in total bonus territory whereas we obviously you know we need to get our act together we, we, we can't be dropping into the conference league you know we're, we're trying to maintain now uh, where we were last season so uh, it's, it's going to be interesting but they are they are, a, they are pretty much a mystery to us mm-hmm. The way that you sort of describe yourself is a wee bit of a train spotter there with the, the 55 UEFA and uh, I have something similar around that fascination with football stadia I just I love the different types of grounds and we, I don't know if anyone's googled the Alish Kerr Stadium but it's, it's you know a very old-fashioned I guess yeah Eastern Bloc Soviet style probably an old athletics ground but above the main stand there's almost like ramparts or something from like an old coliseum it just it's a, a fascinating place and any Rangers fans that are you know braving the trip to go out there because that's that's a long way, I imagine. There's a fair few connecting flights to get to Yerevan. I mean, that's real dedication and passion. Probably wouldn't expect anything less, but um, I think it'll be a, a real treat for the boys that, that are heading over there. As you say, Alec, they will be, and uh, we will be playing group stage football, European group football, up until Christmas, which is good. But yeah, Conference League, considering the draw that we were given in the Champions League, is not really a silver lining for us. And, and, and we'd probably be starting to think about focusing on the league where we to, to not get through this tie. But given the fact that Alishkert do not have a successful European history, and I was looking at this earlier, they've played two Scottish clubs in European competition in the past, St Johnston and Celtic, fairly comprehensively beaten by both. Um, is there any excuse for Rangers to not progress here? I mean, you can look at ties like Malmo and you say, yeah, we should be beating them, but that's going to be a tough game. A tie like Alishkert, is there any... Any excuse for us not getting through this? No, I don't think I don't think there's uh, any excuses. Um, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I have my, my little moment of confidence uh, once every decade. It's usually in the European Cup, and it always comes back to bite me in the arse. So I had it last <laughs> last week with Malmo, and it, it bit us all in the arse big style. Um, but with us, just just looking at it empirically, just looking at the facts objectively, um, we should be pretty much doing to Alice Kerr what we did to Dunfermline. The actual experts, young Patrick Caskey that we had on um, before the first leg uh, against Malmo. Uh, if you look at Patrick's Twitter account, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I needed to go away for a, a, a kind of three-week day release course to actually understand some of the some of the use of statistics in there. It's all, it's all beyond an old man like myself. But the basic message he was putting across was the, the kind of Scottish championship level. Um, now, if you look at what we did to Dunfermline, Dunfermline aren't the greatest team in the Championship right now. Proud old club, but uh, in a bad way just now, going through one of the kind of yo-yo uh, phases. But we would be putting out, you would think, a slightly stronger team um, than we did on Friday. So, and I know it's become a. We'll talk about it later. But it's become a almost like a bigger story with this tie. Is um, are we going to get up enough of a scoreline 
um, to let us rest players ahead of um, the first Ultram game of the season, which takes place the Sunday after the, the second leg. I hate that kind of thing. I know that's right. That's, 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 I cheek after my stuff about the Malmo game, but uh, I generally hate not focusing 100%, as a manager was saying today, on the next opposition and just taking it literally one game at a time. We have to we have to deal with them. See, uh, I have a funny feeling that Alice Kerr, they're, they played Kyra Almaty before. I, I, and I'm sorry to do this. I'm sorry to do this, mate. Um, I, I'm a bit you one from that famous, that infamous night you asked me uh, for a start about Hearts in the Cup final in 96, but... Um, <laughs> 95, so, uh, 96, but um, they actually they actually beat St Johnston. Uh, that, that was Kyra, that was uh, Alice Kirk's first ever game uh, in Europe, and they lost two one at McDermott, and then they beat them one 0 um, at home, and it's um, that was the first ever game, and that was the first season they won the league as well. I think that was the kind of result that pushed them on. It was a massive result uh, for Armenian football. Um, we'll not get too cocky about that either if that's a massive because we couldn't beat St Johnson in the bloody Scottish Cup but Ibrox last season so um, fair play to them and they then played Kairat Almaty um, from Kazakhstan the next round and, and, and Kairat put them out and I think you know it's just across the is it the Caspian Sea um, beyond Azerbaijan they're big rivals obviously they've got a bit of a war going on with Azerbaijan and, and uh, Armenia but just over the Caspian and Kazakhstan I th- that's a uh, there's a bit of history there. We're talking about the stadiums, the other big stadium, um, the stadium that they played Kyra in the last the last round is, is a bit probably the same one you're talking about yourself, mate. It's the National Stadium, um, the current National Stadium, got capacity of about fourteen thousand. Um, but previously, the previous stadium to that National Stadium, I think it's still there. It holds about fifty odd thousand now. Its record attendance is an old superstructure, all kind of Soviet brutalist concrete, massive stadium. And its biggest ever crowd was for Ararat Yerevan, the other big team in the biggest team in uh, the capital against Kairat Almaty. There was like seventy odd thousand there uh, for that match. I don't know if it's a Soviet League match or even just a friendly, but there's a, a bit of kind of history there, and I think that's a bit of kind of hatred almost, and that's inspired them obviously um, in the last round to beat Kairat, which which has done us a favour hopefully, and that you know it's it's it's, lo- it's a long enough journey getting to. Um, getting to Armenia but it's about half the length of Western Europe again to get to uh, Almaty in Kazakhstan so I think that's been massive for them and I think that's what's actually pushed them to Kyra also had a couple of players sent off it's going to extra time and I think it's just been like probably the biggest result in the history of Alaskair uh, was when they beat they beat Kyra uh, last week and I'm hoping it's gonna it's drained them um, I hope it's as good as they'll actually get and I'm hoping, okay, they've got nothing to lose tomorrow. That could be a dangerous thing. Um, but I'm hoping it's that kind of nothing to lose where they just don't think it's worth trying to put up with what Rangers do to them. Just if, if You would hope that if we can just get that intensity back, fire into them straight away. Again, I'm getting into Malmo prediction territory here, but it should, you know, the evidence is there that that, that overruns most teams um, below Rangers level in Europe. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Though you look at Rangers' European pedigree the last few seasons, um, and the performances that we've put in the teams we've beaten, there's, there's there's no reason that Rangers need to fear this tie. And, and yeah, if we go out and play the way that we played in Europe over the last three or four years, there's absolutely no excuse for for, for not getting a good result here. And I'm glad that you referenced the the, the, the old firm the Celtic tie um, a few days after the second leg, which is in uh, in Armenia. 
And it, I think to me that that hammers home the importance of tomorrow night. Build up a good result, a three nil, a four nil, and then rotate rotate the squad. Keep you know leave leave players at home, keep legs fresh. Um, but yeah, maybe that is maybe that's getting a wee bit ahead of ourselves. I guess the next question then, Alec, is how do we set up for this? Because we, I think it's fair to say, the start of this season have, have maybe struggled to find the right combination of midfield and front three. There's been a wee bit of chop and change. There's definitely been players unavailable or not quite match fit. Um, how would you like to see us all being well and all players being fit again? How would you like to see us attack this one? Yeah, just going to all out attack, basically. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's a couple of questions that you say we, we, can't, we, we can't really settle I mean, the manager, I don't think, can really settle uh, in a first team yet. I don't know. There seems to be a few underlying problems at which I can I can only really guess, the same as most other Rangers fans. Um, we don't know if it's maybe a wee hangover from the Euros. Now, that's difficult because I think collectively our players played about 45 minutes at the Euros, our representatives here. And it was all at Hamden, you know. Um, uh, in fact, the first the first Rangers player I, I got to cheer on live in the flesh in the last 16, month, 16 months was... Um, big Hollander when he came on at Hamden. I was at the game at Hamden, um, uh, Ukraine. We're, we're playing Sweden, and uh, again, that, that didn't do him a lot of good either. So I'm just a jinx all round. But I don't know if it's been a such it's that kind of it's, it's, the, it's the worst of both worlds where uh, young Patterson, Barisic, Hollander they're having to go with the squad, they're going to the hotels, they're doing all the traveling, they're doing all the training. Um, the Euros, but they're not actually getting the game time, so they're not even getting the sharpness out of it. You know, maybe under be Barrett, be Borna and uh, Big Foul. There's probably maybe underlying injury problems or whatever. But I don't know if Borna seems a bit off it. He seems a bit off it these days. You know, he, his delivery's been terrible. That that being said, it's a it's a quick ball from him from a free kick that does actually to Ryan Kent that sets up an opening goal at Ibrox against Malmo. You know, but. Uh, big Phil, I don't think was far from the uh, the, the worst in Sweden uh, against Malmo. There's a lot of a lot of Rangers fans are unhappy with the fact that he didn't play um, in the in the second leg, and we're thinking maybe it was Balogun because we're expecting to press Malmo for the whole game, and Balogun's got a bit more kind of midfield now about him, uh, so he's going he's going to go forward, and and of course he ends up being the scapegoat um, for at least one of the goals that we concede. But I think there's a lot of kind of I'm also I'm also can't help getting it. There's been so much talk about players going if we don't get into the Champions League, if we don't make the group stage of the Champions League. And these players, I think there's there's been no kind of uprising, no real kind of uh, nobody's been going to the media. We know we know what Alfie's agents about is about naughty, but Alfie himself's been has, has been fantastic in his attitudes to come back. Um there seems to be no real kind of malice between the club and any of the players. And it's almost as if I can't help thinking there's been an agreement with a few players. Look, we'll look at it again if we get into the Champions League. And even if those players are the best will in the world, for instance, Connor Golds, they're thinking, I, I want to stay at Rangers. If, if it's in your head for a whole summer that you might have to leave, you're going to start picking out your house, you know, down south or whatever it is you're thinking about leaving. It's going to get in your head. These are just, I mean, this, this could just be complete nonsense. Uh, it's just we're all, we're all kind of theorising as to what went wrong because that was a game last week um, against Malmo, which has left me flattered, and I, I, I've never felt I, I was actually I haven't felt like that since we went out to progress in Luxembourg. But basically, that was the last season we had without Stephen Gerrard, so it's almost like a, a result of that. It's a, it's a testament to how well Gerrard's done. You know, that we just we weren't, we weren't expecting that, uh, that that second leg last week. 
to go the way it did. I think Hadji's got to play if he's fit. Um, it's ironic. I think the, the sharpest, we started really sharply against Livingston and it all kind of, I think the, the momentum that we've been seeking went right out the window when he took that injury shortly after he'd scored in that first half. Um, I know he's not got the speed, but I think against a, a, an Alash Kerr, he will be quick of mind. He'll be, he'll, 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 he'll be more than quick enough for them. You're looking at right for speed as well. Alfie, I think, has just got to start. Uh, and that's all there is to it. And it, I think it's in, it's in midfield, really. I'd, I'm assuming we're going to go... I, I wouldn't be bored if it's, if it's Balogun or Hollander. You know, I don't think we're going to be under enough pressure to require Hollander, but I think he's actually getting to the point with him that we might, he might need match fitness. Big Phil, you know, unless there's an underlying problem there, he needs to get him playing just for the sake of getting him time. Um, you've got Steve Davis. Obviously, we've not got Glenn Kamara. Um, and that's that's where I start thinking. You're going to have to get Ryan Kent involved as well. And I would like I would like Aribo in there. And you're thinking, do we should we have anybody holding? Should we have Lundstrom basically? Um, well, he's not been very good at holding. Um, from what I've seen, he's great going forward. So I think Stephen Davis, Stephen Davis is, a, is is almost sweeper at times, as well as you know, one most advanced players. He's, he's everywhere. I think he'll take care of enough in it. Uh, you know. Big goals and I'll tidy up well enough. I'm sounding overconfident, but I think it's just a fact that what we're playing against mm-hmm. isn't strong enough. Um, and I would have I would have Barisic Tavernier. I know we're starting to think should Nathan Patterson and, and Big Calvin be starting, but I would I would certainly I would I would I would get Borna and Tav back in there and uh, hopefully get the two of them back up, get their juices flowing again and get them get them pumping and we can get the young boys out in the second leg, hopefully. Well, that was that was going to be my next question. Um, I think Calvin Bassey at the start of this season has, has looked excellent through preseason into into competitive games. I thought he was really really strong against Dunfermline, and I thought I thought that the the manager spoke really well about both the young fullbacks today. They're doing everything that he's asking them to do in training. They're coming in and putting in performances. Um, Nathan Patterson is an international footballer. You know, we maybe sometimes forget that he's you know out what, nineteen years age or something, and he's represented his country at a major tournament. Um, is it a case then of bringing, because I think it's fair to say, I, I think Barisic has, has dreadfully underperformed the first three or four games of the season. Um, but is it fair to say that, that Barisic, Tavernier as well, keeping in that boat, that you put them into this game because they might need the confidence boost that a game like this could, could provide them? I mean, it's, it's, it's not a game that we want to undervalue or where we can be overconfident enough to rotate and put the B team in but it's also one where we need our, our best players on form and at the moment I, I don't know if we have that we've got to win uh, and I, I mean I'm saying this I, I, I don't like to you know to look too far ahead you've got to take it one game at a time um, I'm not going to completely go back on that we have to we have to factor in you know um, the possibility that this this could be a, an easier opponent than we're used to and by the way, can I just say that's this is I think the Malmo game is one of those moments um where one of those moments we've had in the kind of the kind of program of progression we've had since 2012, where we're trying to get back to what we were, you know, we're trying to get back to what we'd recognise Rangers as. Um and I was as guilty as anybody, um, rightly so, of thinking when we won that league title, that was it. You know, we, we are back, you know, especially the way we won it. But I think it's one of those little reset moments. Um, maybe a bit like Hibs in the Scottish Cup final. Uh, maybe a bit like progress um, under Kashinia 
um, we played them in Europe and they put us out where you're thinking, yeah, <laughs> for us to come from where we were to get back to what we were, it's going to take a hell of a, there's, there's going to be a lot of pain along the way. And I think um, what we miss sometimes is that the, the biggest markers of improvement are, are their disappointments. Now, I've seen as we've been put out a cup by another team in Sky Blue Shirts and White Shirts, but fourth for in the League Cup at Station Park should be a lot more embarrassing, a lot more humiliating, a lot more painful than going out in the Champions League. But somehow the pain's more acute because Rangers are supposed to be a Champions League team. And we were all just glad to have a football club back at the time. Fourth for, fourth for, we were in the same division as fourth. For, they, were, they weren't even a, you know, like, it wasn't even a team from a lower league eh, at that point. But I think that's what it is. I think when the pain starts to get more kind of public and more awful, almost like getting scalped in old firm games is actually better than, you know, beating Stirling Albion at home, which I think is something we only managed once in the lower leagues. And it's that last, what we missed last Tuesday night, and I don't get me wrong, it was a massive opportunity and I still don't understand why we lost the game. I've got a few theories. But what we've missed is the fact that Steven Gerrard started having to perform miracles to get us into a Europa League group stage. And now we're looking at, basically, we're playing Dunfermline to get into the Europa League group, so we've got one game uh, to do that. And I think it's, it's think we've got to hang on to that. You know, we're, we're never, I'm never going to be down on Steven Gerrard. I'm never going to be down on those players after everything uh, that they did for us uh, last season. And it's, a, it's been a, a mammoth task. Um, but we do now have a tie that we would have dreamt. Even last season, when COVID was restricting us, we'd one round less to play, and COVID was restricting the, the ties to, to, to one leg. We had to go away to Holland, we had to, we had to a Dutch team, and then we'd Galatasaray at home to get into the Europa League group stage. It was massive. This, to have a team of Alaskert standard um, between us and the Europa League, is actually a massive sign of improvement. The manager himself has said we're not, you know, we maybe just proved the other week that we're not a Champions League team yet, and we could, you know, do you really want to be getting, you know, Chelsea or whoever coming to Ibrox and, and seriously scalping you and putting a serious dent? We need the money. We need the money. But there's a bit of a reset even what I, I wasn't aware when I got into the ground of what was happening over at the Govan, uh, how bad it was. Uh, but I think for, there's been a lot of praise coming to the team, a lot of praise coming to the club in general uh, over a season where everybody wasn't there. Um, but it was all thoroughly deserved. Everything's been fantastic for the last year. And everybody down, even even the fans that, that, that thought it was all right to boo the team off at the end, you know, even the, the bloody ball boys being too fast, giving the ball back to, you know, giving the ball back to Malmo players. Everybody's had to have a wee reset, I think, after last Tuesday. And it might, it's no bad thing. As long as we go on to win the league this season and get ourselves straight into next season's Champions League, it, it, it's no bad thing. It's another one of those breathing points that you're taking the air as you're, as you're heading up the mountain kind of thing. Um, but I think, yeah, Alice, we've got to, I've got to get them done in. We've got to, we've got to dispose of them quickly. And I, I think we also have to see that it's, an, it's, do you know, I know what you're saying. I, I'm actually, a part of me is thinking if we can start the way we did on Friday, I think Bassey and Patterson give us an energy and intensity. I would almost want Bassey and Patterson to start tomorrow night and get the scoreline matched up. And then we're bringing on Barisic and Tavernier's second half to get them some game time, you know. And hopefully if you get a good enough score, well, you know, Barisic and Tavernier start at, at Dingwall and then, you know, we can we can get the young boys out uh, over, in, uh, over in Armenia. Um, I think we've got the options just now. I'm still a bit confused as to what's going on. What's, there's a slight malaise with the team, but um, I, I think it's 
I, I would I would go over strongest possible team um, to, to to start with, but I, but I understand exactly why you're saying what you're saying there, Ross. You know because uh, with fullbacks, Tav was good against Livingston. He, he, he set up a couple of goals against Livy. You know. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to get after everything he's been through, what he's done for the club. You know, I, I feel terrible. You know, even even criticising the man, but we have to look at what's been happening. And uh, I think the manager will know what's required to get everybody at their funk. Yeah, and that's that's always whenever we have these kind of questions on on the show. Should we rotate? Who should we play? Should we be thinking about the game at the weekend? Should we be thinking about the old firm? The answer is always the same, isn't it? It's always play the strongest team for the match in front of you, and. Um, I have no doubt. I, I, again, I get the sense from from Gerard's press conference today that that's always going to be his approach. I've got a game. I'm not going to think about Ross County. I'm not going to think about Celtic. I've got a game tomorrow night to go and win, which is vitally important in terms of finances, in terms of club exposure. Um, so that's that's priority, and we'll, we'll worry about the rest when we get there. Um, very very briefly, and Alec, just before we we wrap up. There's been some some news today that's not been confirmed anywhere. Gerard mentioned in his press conference that it looks like we're getting closer to a centre midfield coming in, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a surprise. There's been a lot of talk about this Joey Veerman chap coming over from here in Vane in Holland, um, but it seems you know that, that in the next couple of days we might be getting closer to announcing, and it sounds like it's not going to be Joey Veerman, but it might be this uh, Janino Bakuna from from Huddersfield. Now, I'm going to spring this on you. I feel really bad because I'm not sure if you've, you've been able to do any prep on this or not. But um, what do you know about this chap and, and what he might be able to bring to the squad? Zero. Absolutely zero. I need, I need, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I've, I've been ashamed to look at anything to do with Rangers since, uh, the, since the Malmo game, since my predictions, um, my bold fake time to predictions for that game. Uh, no, I've got to be honest, uh, Ross. I mean, I saw the press conference today. Um, for some reason, I think I was too busy looking up. I started looking up famous famous Armenians. I saw something about the Kardashians, and I was I was on that for quite a while for some reason. Um, so I get distracted. But no, he's made it pretty obvious the manager that he's, he's looking for another midfielder. By, by making it obvious, I mean he said I'm looking for another midfielder. So um, yeah, that's good. I, is this chap? Is he a kind of holding midfielder? Is he does he does he pile on? Because it's Ryan Jack that I'm missing right now more than yeah. anything else. It's, it's, it's a strange one. So the articles that I've read, because I, again, I don't know a great deal about the guy. He's 24 years of age, so a good age to be brought in. He's got 107 appearances for Huddersfield, many of which obviously would have been Premier League, um, many of which would have been in, in the Championship. 43 appearances last season, having a hand in nine goals and played in, according to this article from bootroom.com, uh, played in numerous positions all over the park. So it seems like it's a little bit of versatility that he might bring. And and that to me, that's interesting when you, I don't know if you heard John Lundstrom's press conference today, um, but Lundstrom suggested that he's been asked to play in a slightly different role than he was used to playing at Sheffield United. Right. And maybe Gerrard's not comfortable asking Lundstrom to play that role anymore from what he's seen in the first few games of the season and just wants to bring in someone who has a bit of versatility across the midfield, whether that's sit back and hold or box to box or really press forward dynamic attacking midfielder. Um, the way that the articles that I've read suggest that that's kind of, he's a bit of a utility man. I don't necessarily like that phrase, but, but maybe that's yeah. what we're getting here. I know that would, that would do. You know I mean? That, that's, that's what I mean, obviously, I, I, I think uh, between Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard, um, we're, we're signing policy has been pretty shit hot you know, in general. You know, um, we've, we've done really well. Um, and I, I just feel as if 
maybe you're just you're just looking at what's not there. You can't help focusing that. But Glenn Kamara, I feel, has been their biggest miss uh, in the European time. Now, now Glenn Kamara played um, knowing that he was going to be arrested in midweek against Dundee United when we lost that game. Um, but you know there was a few that were off the boil that day. Can't be blamed. Uh, for that, but at the same time, I can't start saying that he's the, he's the answer to everything. He's the reason we went out in Europe. And I think it's worth remembering, by the way, just the general disgrace of the fact that we don't have Glenn Kamara um, because he was racially abused, basically. Um, if he's punched that guy in the mouth, well, I hope it was a gidgeon. I hope he landed a proper one on him because uh, the, the, the scumbag deserved it. Um, and I think it's absolutely shocking um, that a man who was basically in shock, you know, has been banned. Uh, for what someone else has done to him eh, during the game, um, but I, I think I think it has cost us. Um, I think Ryan Jack as well. We could have really done with him eh, just now. I like Lundstrom eh, when he came on against Levy. You know, he's and it's not always a bad thing. It's something as I said, I was joking about putting Lundstrom in kind of cool ballet quarantine because we've had players who've come in and started off looking absolutely fantastic, and we've quickly found out no, they're not. Um, so if he's taking a bit to adjust, that's fine, but. I, I feel as if I, like he was, he was a bit to blame for the, the goal against Indy United, the, the, the failure to kind of track back. Um, I know a lot of people are giving him grief for the goal and when the goal's in Malmo as well, you know, and I can see their point of view. I thought he was kind of, I thought he was kind of unfortunate with that. He had two players to mark. But no, he's not. He's, he's blown hot and cold. Absolutely rasper of a goal uh, the other night and did generally well against Dunfermline, but that is Dunfermline. So we need something else in, in midfield. As you know, I'm a massive fan of having Kamara, Davis and, and Jack in there. But it's like, I mean, I'm starting to feel that that will almost kind of never happen again. You know, you're starting to feel um, Ryan Jack's going to be, he is, well, he is officially injury prone now and it's always taken him longer to come back than anticipated. When he comes back, he's in, he's instantly brilliant. Um, but I think that they, they, give us a real, they give us a real base, those three, in which we can pretty much do anything. And I think we're fantastic with those, with those three in there. Um, but, Aye, we need we need we need something else in midfield, and I think I fully trust the manager um, and his choices. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we do we arguably do have a, a lot of options in midfield when everyone's when everyone's fit and available. We've not even mentioned Scott Arfield. We've not mentioned Stephen Kelly. Um, but I know we get players get put. Uh, Scotty Arfield, I think he's suffering. He's at that age now when he needs to be playing regularly. Um, and it's especially his game, his his style is kind of box to box. He's very dynamic, and uh, when he's on it, he is peerless. He's absolutely sublime, Scott Arfield. I love him, um, but he's just at that age now where it's taking him a bit of while. Remember when Steve when Steve Davis came back to the club? It took him a, a good few months to get himself up to match fitness, and then um, he's pushing for Player of the Year. You know, he's, he's absolutely sublime, and he's he's carried on that form into this season. So that so that's great. I think Scotty Arfield has suffered. And this is, I know what you're talking about, this, 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 is, this is part of the problem with this start to the season. We seem to have never really had our first team out there and getting, I know a lot of the boys, uh, Jersnet and a lot of Rangers fans I talked to, like, why was, was, was Gerard no playing his first choice team and a few friendlies and then, you know, to, to, to have them up to speed. And the, the, the mark of the Stephen Gerrard manage, management period at Rangers for me has been how anytime anybody's thought it's been a problem, you know, like we, we ended up finishing the league poorly or whatever. We're finishing our, in our season uh, without a trophy. The way we've started the following season has left me in zero doubt that every player at the club is on board with what the manager's doing. You know, there is this, this mass that, you know, we've been pre-season, our friendlies and the way we've started each season has got 
steadily better, quantifiably better, season upon season. And this is the first one where it's kind of, mm, I don't know. And even then, you're th- well, even in amongst all that, we've beaten Real Madrid <laughs> nominally, you know, in a, in a friendly. Um, but we've beaten Real Madrid uh, in this kind of stuttering uh, pre-season and it, a stuttering start to the season. So I think the one thing we're missing about tomorrow night, never mind the fact that it's the Europa League, never mind, you know, what we're going to do, you know, ahead of our game against Celtic and how the second leg plays into that. This is just about getting a second win in a row on the board. Just get a result, you know, um, so we can get back to momentum because that's that is the, the primary thing with any football club really any football team it's all about momentum you know to keep winning but I think Gerard is particularly particularly good at just getting a team into a winning habit into a winning mood that's what that, that's what his kind of uh, game uh, management requires and we just need to get another good win on the board absolutely I think that, that brings us to a conclusion um so obviously Rangers against Ellis get first light tomorrow at 8pm. I believe it's uh, not on BT, it's not on Premier Sports. I think the only way to, to, to view this one is to either go to the game or, uh, and I think there are one or two tickets still available, uh, or it'll be on, on Rangers TV as well. Um, yeah, a, a, an interesting tie, absolutely, in terms of the opposition, a bit of an unknown quantity in terms of how we set up, particularly in the midfield. Uh, so I think, yeah, a, a lot to look forward to tomorrow night and hopefully we can be celebrating a good result. As I say, that brings us to the end of the show. So I'll say a, a massive thank you to Alec for joining us once again and giving us the uh, the wisdom and, and insight that he invariably brings. Um, the Jesnet podcast will be back on Friday night when uh, when Colin and Stuart Weir will be here to look back on the Elshkar game and also look ahead to uh, our trip up to Dingwall on Sunday. Uh, and then on Sunday night, I'll be back in the hot seat with, uh, with John McCallum and the debutant Gary Valentine uh, looking back at both games of this week and ahead to the, the the week coming, which will, of course, bring the return leg out in Armenia, as well as the first Old Front Derby of the season. If you've been joining us tonight on the YouTube stream, thank you so much for giving up your evening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, as I say, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, get involved in the friendly discussion forum. You can also find all of your Jersnet contributors there. I hope you enjoy the game tomorrow night, and we will see you on the next show on Friday or the flagship show on Sunday. Until then, stay safe, and thank you very much for listening.